the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Talking about how Generation Z is doing a lot of trading as the market is having a bad year. They buy when things are good. What are they doing when things get tough? It looks like they're selling. Can't say that completely. But activity now, could they be doing a lot of, you know, selling their losers and buying names that are more safe, more appropriate in the first place? Maybe a little bit of that. But it also is implying like the grass looks greener on the other side. For me, the very first time I put a buy order in, and this is crazy. It shows you how old I am. I used to have to make a phone call to my stockbroker. And he would call, he put an order in. Um, the old fashioned way. With human hands. It would get run down to the floor and buy, 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 sell, 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 sell. I need a hundred of this, two hundred of that. And the tickets were literally handed from one person to the next. Wow. But when I first had to put my first order in, <clears throat> I remember very, it sat large with me. There was something surreal about buying um, 25 years ago, maybe a, let's say 100 shares of Intel at 60 bucks. And you do the math and you're like, okay, I'm going to owe $6,000. And then you have the internet do its little thing. You put in 100 shares of Intel and it's, it's currently going for 60 and a quarter. So it's a little bit more than you thought. And there's taxes and trading fees involved. And you go, wow, am I buying paper? In theory, you're not. You're buying part of the right to profits in a company. But I understand at times this could look like just a lot of numbers. And again, then you get into the overwhelming of it, of money buys lifestyle. And if you make a bad investment, you just lost lifestyle. If you make a great investment, you're like, ooh, I can go out and buy a bottle of champagne and celebrate tonight, but you're not going to likely sell that stock to do it. So then you're taking funds from your you know, your general bills and buying said champagne. Just be careful. I don't think there's anything wrong with psychologically changing a little bit of how you invest when you've learned that you made a mistake. When you learn that you were too aggressive and that, yeah, in hindsight, you did lose. If you want to invest and feel really, really comfortable in good times and bad times, look for businesses that have been through bad times. Procter & Gamble is a great example. Ray Dalio, he's a billionaire at Bridgewater Associates. 
he owns a lot of Procter and Gamble. It's 4.2% of his portfolio. Why would a billionaire be fascinated with Procter and Gamble? They make Tide. They're not very sexy. They've been around since we were a child. They'll be around when our children's children are washing clothes. Get it? What's another great stock that a billionaire would own because it's been through good times and bad times? And if you think like a billionaire, you don't have to be like a Paul Andreessen and go out and invest in Web 3.0. You can invest in something boring like Canadian National Railway. What do they do? It's exactly what it sounds like in this case. It's a train company. It's a choo-choo company. And it operates in Canada where Canada pulls stuff out of the ground and they bring it to the United States. Now, the railways, there's only four or five of them. And pretty much so, I think all of them could be considered for a long-term patient investor who doesn't want to go, oh my gosh, the Chinese just beat us to self-driving cars. Here I have this self-driving car and we're out of luck. China can't send a self-driving car, can't fly it to us. It's, it's, it's brought in the old-fashioned transports. And an old-fashioned transport is a train company. In the 1970s, the train companies went through a horrible time. And there used to be 10 to 15 of them. They merged down to about five in North America. And that covers Mexico, Canada, and the United States. And that covers things like cars that are built in Mexico, brought into the United States. <clears throat> Trains are incredibly, incredibly, I'm not going to say low risk because that's the wrong way of saying it. Stable. Again, will there be times where Canadian National, Canadian National Railway is bringing coal and the whole world has decided coal is evil? Yeah, there will be. What's another company that rich people hold that has gone through good times and bad times? Um, there's a company called, called Star Bulk Carriers. What do they do? They basically make ships that bring goods back and forth. It could be problematic because it's a capital-intensive business. But right now, when you're hearing about dry bolt carriers and how much it costs companies like Target or Walmart to ship goods to the United States and how much more they're paying this year than last year, it's not a bad thought. Dry bolt carriers ship everything from iron ore to grain to forestry products. Rising prices across commodities should offer a steady tailwind for some time. It's generally thought that inflation won't go back down, but we'll find some levels from the upward move to hold. So even though we want gasoline to go back down to $2 a gallon, it may stop at 3 three fifty. You're like, but last time it went all the way down to two. Well, last time was last time. Here's a company that I kind of love and I kind of hate. And it's one that I talk myself out of. But if you're a billionaire, it's been around for a long time. One minute. 
Um, and that's one that you have to kind of think about is like a Microsoft. I know it's like everyone knows it. Yep. I'm looking at a computer right now that's running it and I've got 365 so I can do go to the mountains and work from the mountains and my email is already there and it does storage for me so that when my hard drive drives on my dies on my computer I don't have to go to Best Buy and go can you get my hard drive out for me and uh, back it up for me Microsoft has generated a total return since the beginning of 2014 of up 765% plus dividends while the SP 500 was up only 160%. And that's in the last eight years. And this is a company that's been around for 40 years of your life, at least. I think it's no brainer long-term, but you need to consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. So I can already see the theme of this first hour. And it's something along the lines of, yes, we have seen millennials enter a tough job market, stay at home, delay getting married, delay start buying a house. And now the, the group underneath them, the zillennials, much better job market. But this is their first down stock market and down cryptocurrency market. How should they respond? I tend to say, look at your elders a little bit. And see what got them through tough times. So that was kind of the whole first thought of the day. Instead of going, okay, I no longer like the company I bought. Would you want to buy more of it? Instead of saying, oh, it burned me. I'm moving on. I have to imagine there's some people who have been hurt by the stock market in the first six months of this year who will be like, I'm never going back in again. It's a roller coaster. It's kind of interesting because I saw an old neighbor this weekend and he was wonderful to see. And um, I don't ask people to work with the firm that I work with, but he wanted to. And this is his first time since working with EP Wealth that he's seen a down market. Um, Typically, he got into some bad deals in life. Uh, He had a and this is something that I see a lot of. He had a professional that he was working with that would sell him things on time to time when he had a little extra money. Hey, for your future, uh, John, do you want to buy this this product? And typically it's like, what is it? Well, it's annuity. It's something you could buy and um, it'll pay you cash when you retire, when you're no longer working. In his case, he you know, can get on top of a building and do a business inspections appraisal. That's his job. And maybe that does slow down. Maybe that goes to younger people. Maybe it gets automated. We don't know, right? <clears throat> so he gets the sales pitch of, do you want to, you know, put $20,000 in this product that'll pay you back money over time after you retire? And he goes, sure, why not? That sounds great. Maybe they have a beer together. Maybe they high five each other. Maybe they handshake. But he doesn't realize that annuities are expensive insurance products that act a little bit like an investment and a little bit like an insurance product. It's like a multi-class in Dungeons and Dragons where you're like a wizard fighter. You're not really a great wizard. You're not really a great fighter. You're not really a great insurance product. and You're not really a great investment product either. For my insurance products, I want the lowest cost possible. Because with me, to insure something, it means you can't afford to lose. 
you get healthcare insurance when you can't afford to lose your health. You get life insurance where your family needs your income if you die. So I don't like annuities. So his first 20, 25 years as an adult, he bought a lot of bad product. Now he bought a home and the home has gone up beautifully in California to be a big part of his retirement. But on top of it, he wanted to kind of check in and go, uh, everything okay with the uh, with, uh, company you're working with? And uh, how's this recession looking compared to other recessions? And how's this market pullback? So he wanted to check in. I get it. I think it makes total sense. But that's what we've been talking about throughout the show is people who get into new products and then they get out and they look for maybe another new product or they, I look for more of the same. It's take a look at something like an Apple or Microsoft. Don't you wish you bought it in the nineties, the two thousands, the 2010s, the 2020s. Um, now again, it's a different stock at one point in time, it was a growth stock and maybe it's becoming more of a growth income stock. So when you bought it in the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, <clears throat> they were still inventing new product. And now they're a multi-trillion dollar company, which is kind of like if you have ever worked out all summer long and you've been going five to six days a week and you're, you're about as big as you're going to get. Yeah, you could do some refinements, but you're not going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, yes, uh, that's not the perfect analogy. But you just got to know that sometimes your your investment idea is mature. For instance, I own international stocks that I'm really, really not happy with. <clears throat> 2022 showed me that um, getting that diversity of going international, I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Now I'm, I was doing homework over the weekend and I had to break down my not my domestic stocks versus my international, my domestic ETFs versus my international. And I don't analyze international nearly as well. So I was looking at the fees. I was making sure I wasn't paying too high of commissions, trying to figure out what I can to make my decisions more appropriate, even though I want that international exposure. Why do I want international exposure? Because if you've ever been international, when I went to Australia 30, 35 years ago, I felt like it was visiting the United States in the 1950s. So let's say I went in the 1990s. I was like, in my head, I was like, wow, this feels like the United States 40 years ago. Their highways were like two lane highways. Where if you're in LA, you got six lanes, basically like 12 lane highways, six going north, six going south, all side by side by side by side. By side. And it's intimidating. You're like, well, Australia's got a lot of room to grow. And that's why you own international stocks. Because if you go to Thailand, you're like, yeah, they could probably use some modernization in their buildings and their roads. You go to China and you go, wow, this is an oppressed country where they're trying to introduce capitalism to the poor farmers and give them jobs at factories. So it could be anything but for poor farmers and could be moving towards a more productive society. You should be able to see international investing as potentially more growthy than domestic in the United States. Yeah, you can still go to some backwards parts of the United States. And go, man, this looks like Thailand. <laughs> I get it. <clears throat> I've been on many dirt roads in the United States, but I've been on more dirt roads in foreign markets. And I grew up overseas. And I think that gives me a little bit of an advantage. Um, while <clears throat> many of you grew up in a stable family, I grew up in a family that would move every year, year and a half. 
my dad's job in the military would basically reassign him to another country. So I got to see different cultures and I got to see different levels of poverty. I've lived in Turkey. I've lived in Greece. Um, lived in Germany. Like you name it, I've been there. Well, not name it, I've been there. But you get to see where the strengths and, and weaknesses are in the economies. And I think it's just psychologically really good as an investor to be a little bit more open-minded. So do I think Amazon, and this is the, you know a stock that I own, do I think Amazon's going to move higher in the coming years? And I think they're in a situation similar to Apple where we kind of know what they do, but Amazon continues to impress us. At one point in time, we knew that they sent us books. And then they were like, well, we could do books and paper towels. And then you can subscribe to a paper towel service and we'll give you a TV service on top of it with Amazon Prime. So now you're getting paper towels and toilet paper and TV services with Amazon. Like they've done a very, very nice going for a subscription model. Wall Street loves subscription models. But their push into healthcare is brand new. And their cash flow from their other businesses can help fund their cash flow in their healthcare business. Now, I think they're doing it smarter than Facebook because Facebook's doing something very similar where I feel Facebook has jumped the shark. I feel Instagram has jumped the shark. My days, the whole idea of going to these sites, it used to be to look at my friends and my family and maybe some, you know, nice distraction on occasion of like old friends. But now you're getting like algorithms of like, watch this soccer coach yell at his player because Instagram is trying to become TikTok and Instagram, the experience has been ruined in my opinion. It hasn't completely jumped the shark, but there's not a lot of revenue there in my mind. Again, if you have it, you probably know about it. And what's interesting about the Generation Z, because earlier on I said Generation Z is, is changing the way they're investing because it's their first pullback, their first down market. They're trading. They're admitting defeat. They're selling low when they shouldn't. They should buy more when it's low, in my experiences, historically. But what Generation Z is teaching me, you can't find them around Facebook. and You can barely find them on uh, Instagram. Some of them, yeah, have moved on to TikTok, but they're also going, I want to own my data. And I want to go to a smaller community to get my information instead of a mass community. So Facebook is pumping a lot of money into the metaverse as Mark Zuckerberg doesn't want to go down in history as the guy who ran that old-fashioned, boring social media site, Facebook, that the only way we're able to make money were to change the things that you once saw, and now you saw just totally broken down messaging on politics, broken down messaging on what your body looks like. I have some of that. I was filling out a passport form recently. I was so bummed. Um, it was a state ID. It was the new real ID. And the person's getting ready to take my photo. And she goes, oh, you marked brown for your hair. Do you want me to change it to gray? I'm like, I kind of think it's brown. It's like dirty brown, dirty blonde. It's, and she says, oh, no, you're gray. And when I look in the mirror, I still see dirty brown, blondish gray. I see some gray for sure. I know that it's there. But all you need to do is open my shirt and it's, it's gray. Because the chest hair tells no lies. I know you're saying this is a lot on hair. I know. And what I'm trying to say is that uh, 
Zuckerberg's doing the best he can to stay a growth company when his real company, Facebook, has become a kind of a growth and in income. It's kind of become ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox. It serves its purposes for advertisers, but it's not as compelling as it used to be. Amazon, they're doing going moving into healthcare, which is a totally different compelling. So Facebook's going to spend profits from Facebook on the metaverse. Amazon's going to spend profits from Prime on healthcare. Which one do I like more? I think it's pretty easy to see. I'm Rob Black. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. What's working on Wall Street and why? Let's do a Monday market update. How's it going for the year? The NASDAQ is down 20.8% for the year. That is barely a bear market. So it put in a really good month of July. Sadly, I look at the calendar and it's August. The S&P 500 down 13% for the year. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 9% for the year. 10-year Treasury sits at 2.65%, which I think is a fascinating story, but it's tough to make into a fascinating story. Without the details, and the details in my head make it fascinating, but might not in your head. That 10-year Treasury is tied towards the U.S. Treasury bills, right? So it's tied towards U.S. debt. And the United States always pays back their debt. Yeah, your history teacher in third grade might have said, during the Revolutionary War, the United States issued bonds to raise money for weapons. And we've always paid back on that debt. And when we don't, the world is going to have a big, dirty, poopy, flushy. It's going to be a bad day because there's a lot of faith in it. But that 2.6% on the 10-year treasury, last year at this time, we were, the economy was so bad at times. Oh, COVID, no one's ever going to go back to work. We're like, Psh, 1.5%. The cost of money was so low, the Fed was like, we need some speculation out there. So if Rob and his producer want to start a new radio company, they could borrow money at 1.5%. We're, we're good with that. So me and my radio producer would, would robble, 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 robble. And we'd say, can we make money over the next 10 years? And we're like, well, we better not borrow money. But 1.5%, it's a lot easier than it is at 4%. So this year, the 10-year treasury has been playing with 3, 3.1, 3.2. And then it's like, no, 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 no. And it goes right back down. So the big rally in July in the stock market was because the 10-year treasury slipped from 3.3 down to 2.6%. Tell you, the economy is really not that great. The R word is being banked around, not for today, for six months from now. Bitcoin, I opened Barron's this morning, and one of the headlines of Barron is Bitcoin could run up 35% this week. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll, 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 I'll click that one in a bit. Let's figure out what, what they're saying. And then next Monday, let's hold them accountable and say, yeah, it, but it did or didn't kind of thing. Amazon for the year is now, 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 19%. A couple of weeks ago, you could have got it down 30% for the year. Now it's down 19%. You need to decide what works best for you. It's choose your own adventure. It's not choose Rob's own adventure. Investors have a super positive vibe right now, particularly in the battered tech area. The NASDAQ's 12.3% gain last month was its best since April 2020. Amazon's July in the stock market was its best in 13 years. 
So you had all of 30 days ago, you could have gotten into Amazon and said, wow, I was part of its best month ever. That's one of the reasons why people tell you don't sell and go to the sidelines. I'm still in wealth accumulation. I'm not in wealth management mode. And I think there's two very different modes. Um, so I was more of a buyer in 2022 than a seller. But again, you have to have cash flow, which brings us to how much cash flow are you generating? How much are you saving? I'm stoked that I'm still putting money in a 401k and I finally get a down year to do it. Last year when the market was up 70 times, all-time records, I was like, man, I just bought an all-time high. What kind of video or fool am I? And then I went to another all-time high. But my gains are like 1%. But when the stock market goes down 20% in the first half of the year, your gains are like 20%, 30%, 40%, two, three, four years later. The affluent become more affluent by buying when things are down. And this is why I say consult broker providers predicting action stocks ever mentioned on this show. So can we repeat July? That's going to be the big question. Um, if this was a sure thing, everyone would jump right in. There's a paradox that we have a weakening economy in growth and earnings expectations going forward. And yet the stock market just had a great month. That's the paradox of um, Wall Street doesn't move hand in hand or in sync with expectations. It's a discounting mechanism that freaks a lot of people out. Essentially, the NASDAQ surging 6% in July is telling us that the NASDAQ surged 12% in July. Essentially, that's telling us that six months from now, that Apple, Google, Amazon, Microsoft are going to be reporting great numbers. If you believe in Wall Street, it is a discounting mechanism. I've seen it too many times that I believe it is. Am I willing to go out on a street corner and scream it? No, because you may think I'm, I'm a wackadoodle. If the market continues its recovery in August, then it will be you know, climbing quite a wall of worry. If Wall Street struggles in August, it would make a lot of sense because we're talking crazy inflation numbers, which they're starting to come down. Housing cooled over 2% in June, the very first month that we had 6% mortgages, we're just now getting the data on. And year-over-year -year numbers uh, of growth are down from 19.3% down to 17.3%. That's a pretty big fall. Typically in 2007, 2009, home prices moved down 1.2% in a bad month. Now they're down 2%. Some markets are down 3%. Some markets are down 5% in the month of June. I went to Zillow and I looked at my home and yep, there it is, down 5%. So last year at this time I was crowing. I was like, woohoo, sweet. This year I'm like, oh, that's not good. Average home values in San Jose, California have fallen 5.1% in the last two months. It's the biggest drop of any market. It's also one of the most expensive markets in the nation. And San Jose doesn't make as much sense as say like an Atherton or a Fairfax um, does which are much more lovely with more countryside. San Jose is just close to jobs. So if San Jose is down 5.1% in two months, 
that means the average price is down $75,000. In Seattle, down 3.8% or a $30,000 reduction. Now, price drops aren't what they, they, they take a while to play out. Um, right now, it's the 30-year mortgage has dropped down to 5.1%, 5.2%. Um, but what's worthy of, of note there is the annual rate of price appreciation fell two percentage points. It would take six more months of falling at two percentage points to get us to a number that we're like, oh, that's more like a historical norm. So we're still hot, hot, hot on a year-over-year basis, but it's starting to come down quickly on a month-to-month. So price drops will not reflect the average homeowner and affect them and hurt them like they did in the Great Recession because homeowners today have more equity. Lending standards are a lot tighter than they were in 2000s, in the early 2000s, where our government decided, hey, everyone should get a loan, so lenders need to loosen your standards. Now, we've gotten a little bit better in the last 10, 15 years, so probably not going to get out of control bad. But double-digit? Probably can't sustain that, not with higher mortgage rates. We'll see where it goes. I just wanted to let you know home prices have started to cool, and it should make the Federal Reserve very, very happy. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube at Rob Black Show. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. ESPN, as a male, has been in my life for 40 years since I was a 10-year-old kid. Catching sports highlights was a thing. And again, let me trip out millennials and zillennials right now. When we were 10 years old, at 11 o'clock, we'd have to wait till 11.20 when sports would come on to maybe watch one or two highlights of like a local team. And then maybe you'd get one or two highlights of a national game where someone crushes a home run or goes for a crazy interception return for touchdown. You got highlights in the news. And then sometimes there was highlight shows on Saturday or Sunday. ESPN comes along, gets on cable. We start paying for cable television. More every year, more every year, ESPN gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And one of the things that I remember from a staple of my childhood was ESPN does this thing where they go around the league, whether it's football or basketball or baseball, and they show you the plays of the day. They show you the the, the, the worst of the year. And that's fun for a young male who's into sports. As you can tell, I'm no longer into sports or staying up till 11 o'clock to watch sports shows on highlights. It's just not my thing. I prefer to you know, spend my time on this life, not worrying about what the quarterback's getting paid or how many women he assaulted, or it's just, it's not my thing. But ESPN did something beautiful, taking us around the league and really changing how young men interacted with sports. Now, I think it's great because I'm being incredibly sexist. And watching the women's team from England this weekend win the European World Cup over Germany, who had never been in the European, it's not the World Cup, it's it's the European Cup. And watching the women win and just get so excited, it's like, that's good stuff. Um, I, the thing I love about sports is transcend stories. Watching a man run the fastest marathon ever, who his father had his legs broken by a, a brutal regime, tells you, like, that's the flight of the human humanity right there. That's awesome. So let's take a look at some headlines and go around the league. Nancy Pelosi plans to visit Taiwan this week. It's catching a lot of heat from China. China doesn't want an American politician saying, yeah, you do have a right to be your own nation in any way, shape, or form. 
to the point that China has claimed, yeah, we could shoot her jet down. Like, what? That would certainly be an entertaining week. We'd have to call Jack Bauer. Mr. President, they shot down the Speaker of the House. Other headlines. First Ukraine grain shipment departs since the invasion. That's good news. One of the world's largest grain exporters is beginning shipping some 18 million metric tons that Russia's invasion is trapped in the country. That alone won't fight and stop food inflation, but it will help feed a chunk of the world. People are starting to buy more stuff at Dollar General stores or dollar stores. This is always interesting to me. Um, There's another headline out there about a self-driving truck got into a car accident. But to me, and I had to pay play rock, scissors, paper, I'm like, how frugal are people being? With energy costs up 41%, groceries up 12.2%, how frugal are people being? I'm skipping restaurant meals as long as I can. Um, just doing more cooking at home just to get the dollar to stretch a little further. So dollar stores and dollar general um, when you start replacing your groceries from Safeway and Whole Foods and you start going to dollar stores, the produce isn't quite as fresh, right? Dollar General is at a full-service grocer. They consider themselves a general store by trying to provide nearby and affordable prices to daily household essentials. Um, the sizes in a dollar store, yes, you can get anything of bleach for a dollar, but it's six ounces versus going to Safeway where it's 60 ounces, but four times as expensive. Dollar Tree, which also owns a family dollar, says the chain aims to complement, not replace grocery stores. And yet we're seeing a big tick up to the point that you could probably invest in it and go, yeah. When people are seeing their electricity bills and they're trying to figure out like um should we do what what should, what should we do for our kids for entertainment um they're, they're cutting down on the entertainment options they're cutting down on the food options the quality the freshness meats poultry fish eggs are up 11.7 percent year over year fruits and vegetables are up 8.1 percent I do a little game every summer called Eat Through the Pantry, where anything that I bought in the previous 11, eight, nine months, I just eat down because I hate throwing away pantry food. Drives me loco to spend money on stuff I don't consume. Some other headlines around the league of investing. Uh, the Wall Street Journal did a really nice piece today on hospitals and why a heart attack at one hospital could cost different than a heart attack at a different hospital. That is something I would like to see our Congress work on. Is it feels to me the insurance industry is a bit of a scam on poor people or on lower income people. We pay a lot for insurance. Every month your pay or every two weeks your paycheck says, Wow, you just spent a lot. And I don't think it's really adding up for the average American. I think insurance duck and covers away from things that they don't feel that they, they can get away with. I certainly feel that in my mom's last few years of her life, they turned down more of her insurance claims than they approved. 
And that's unfortunate because when you're 80 years old and you're sickly, you're not reading through your insurance and filing claims and sending in a fax. You're just going to, I guess I'll pay it. President Biden continues to test positive for COVID-19. Now, here's a, a big if and but and candy and nuts of what a party would have, right? I've got some people asking me for safe stocks. I got some people asking me for like risky stocks. I've got some people asking me for speculation. I got people asking me all sorts of, you know, I want this, I want this, I want that. And one of the things I have to say is, what if Biden dies of COVID? Are you still going to want to own that stock? Are you still going to like, what if Putin goes nuclear on Ukraine? Probably be a faster way to wrap things up, but it'd probably escalate the death toll enormously. But you have to have those ifs and buts in the back of your head because sometimes they happen. Yeah, I was stoked to see England win the Women's World uh, Cup or European Cup. Um, recession or not, this is something that I wrote down over the weekend. I take little notes and sticky notes. We're talking first half of 2022, we talked a lot of inflation. Second half of 2022, we're going to be talking, is there going to be a recession? Is there not? How deep? How wide? How bad? How many job cuts? But I think we're all sick in the face of hearing inflation, inflation, inflation. One thing that we're not talking about is the other R, the recovery. So the recovery is probably ended as the idea there. If we're talking recession, recovery, growing out, recession, pulling back in. So know that about the current environment for your stocks. I know a financial planner who I wasn't crazy about when I met him. I liked him as a human, but his systems, I was like, ooh. And he's got a crazy model for picking stocks. And his model is something like this. Economy neutral, economy positive, economy negative. And he'd come up with nine different models. Like here's a growth economy neutral. Here's a growth economy positive. Here's a growth portfolio negative. And there's the growth in income. There was an income. So he had like nine portfolios times three. He had too much to eyeball, in my opinion. So you better be good with spreadsheets. Those are some of the headlines around the league. Facebook parent Meta creates new positions for its CFO. Looking through the numbers last week at Meta's quarter, I revisited how they did, and it was a bad quarter. It, was, it wasn't good. And the whole Metaverse, which I have not been to yet, I don't know if we're ready for it as a society. And Zuckerberg's spending, a, he's going to lose a good $10 billion this year, creating a Disneyland for essentially computer nerds who are early adapters of Oculus, Oculus 2s. And they're not going to spend a lot of money. They're a subset, yes, and they'll, they'll, they'll show some great numbers. But to get to volume, volume, volume... How do you get to a 10th grader and how do you get to a 90 year old in the metaverse? Not just how do you get to 18 to 25 year old boys with big bank accounts that they can drop on expensive video game hardware. 
Apple plans to sell bonds to buy back stocks. This is always a funny one to me. It's a headline that's worth looking into because Apple makes a ton of money and they're well-loved on Wall Street for making a ton of money. And when you make a ton of money, you can go into a bank and say, I'd like to borrow some money. And they'd be like, well, you make a ton of money, so you're likely to pay it back. We're going to give you the lowest rates possible, Mr. Apple. And I go into a bank and they're like, well, you don't don't make as much as they do. So we're going to give you a higher rate, Rob. So Apple is going to be doing a little financial engineering, taking on debt to get the earnings per share, to get the share count lower so the earnings look better. Yes, yes, they're going to make a lot of money and they're going to pay back that debt. But you get the idea of why having a great credit rating is so important. Other companies doing this, Microsoft and Johnson & Johnson. I find it positive, not negative. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.